Well, again, it's so good to be able to join you this morning worshiping on Easter Sunday. I also want to welcome those who are joining us online this morning. And I just want to wish you all a happy Easter and hope you have a great day celebrating with your families. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 28, the very last chapter of Matthew. While you're finding that, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to be able to be with you in person this year to celebrate our risen Savior. I will never take this opportunity for granted again uh, after what we have experienced this past year and what we've been through. Uh, Last year, we weren't able to do this, and uh, I will never forget that Easter Sunday and people sending us pictures of how you were celebrating, and I I don't really know how you could celebrate much, because a lot of the pictures I got was a picture of my ugly mug on your TV, and uh, that was a little disturbing. Uh, Someone shared with me recently that their child thought I was a movie star, and uh, who knew? Who knew what could happen in a crazy world like we live in today? But uh, regardless of what we've been through over this past year, our message has not changed. Christ is risen and the tomb is empty. And I want you to take a minute today to let that message sink into your life. Not just to hear the message today. That Christ is risen. I want you to personally feel what that means for you individually. Because it was for every single one of us individually. No one is exempt from the empty tomb. No one is exempt from the cross of Calvary. And I don't want you to just hear the good news of that today. I want you to experience the good news of that today. Whether it's celebrating a life of commitment to the cross. Or whether today it's just simply acknowledging the impact that the cross is making on your life. Because if the cross is true. If it's true that Christ is risen, it changes everything. It changes everything about your life, whether you choose to believe it or not. If the story is true, it changes everything. If Christ has risen, regardless of what we've been through this past year, we still have hope. Amen? Amen. Many have lost loved ones over the past year. But because Christ is risen, Jesus has took the sting out of death for His faithful followers. I've shared with you before, there's a huge difference in preaching a funeral... For the life of someone that I know was a faithful follower of Christ. And preaching the funeral for somebody that you just don't know about. 
there is nothing more discouraging. There is nothing to me more dark. There is nothing to me more heavy than a farewell funeral to someone that you don't know if they went to heaven or not. And this past year, there have been faithful followers of Jesus Christ that have gotten sick. Some of you are here today, and we're thankful for that, that you're here. Some faithful followers have died, just like non-believers as well. But death is not bitter or terrifying for those of us that have a hope in this empty tomb. That He is risen, and that He has defeated death, and we proclaim victory over it today. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, He walked out victorious over death. He walked out of that tomb victorious over disease. He walked out of that tomb victorious over cancer. He walked out of that tomb victorious over COVID. And that's good news for you and for me. Hunter shared with us earlier, you know, it was a tradition in the early church, especially on this day when believers in Christ would uh, meet or they would pass on the road or they would come in contact with one another. That as they would approach one another, that one of the believers would say, Christ is risen. And the other person would respond that He is risen indeed. And so today, Hunter led us in that. But I just want to do that again today because of the impact that this statement has on every single one of us that's here today. So what I want you to do is, is when I say Christ is risen, I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you that is your favorite, and I want you to say, He is risen indeed. Alright? Say it loud. Alright, so... <laughs> are you ready? Christ is risen. Do I need to remind you guys that this is Easter? We're here to celebrate a risen Savior. And I just tell you, there were 130 people in the 830 service. They did better than that. Christ is risen. That's better. But here's the question. Is it true? Y'all, one of the greatest challenges over this past year has been trying to figure out what's true and what's not true. Amen? Trying to figure out who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. Who do we believe? Do we believe the healthcare workers? Do we believe politicians? <laughs> Many did. Do we believe the media? 
Depends on what channel you watch. And so one of the challenges over this past year has been trying to figure out what's true and what's fake news. There were so many contradicting reports when it all began. How about how serious it was going to be? And about what kind of precautions we ought to take to try to protect others from getting sick. There were questions about if our medical system was going to be able to absorb the large number of people that might become ill. And if our funeral homes could accommodate the number of deaths. And we saw in some states to where they just absolutely could not. But there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of talk about what was going on. and So one of the greatest challenges we had to figure out, and boy, it was a whole lot more challenging for me as a pastor than I ever anticipated. I, I shared with our board this past week, I never, I never dreamed in all my life that when God called me to ministry, one of the most controversial uh, decisions that we'd be faced with in the church is whether we simply ask people to wear masks for the protection of others or not. Never in my life would I have ever dreamed that that would have been one of the major decisions that I would come against as a pastor. And it's, it's been a tough year. It's been difficult. And because we've all been trying to figure out, who do we believe? What do we believe? What's true, what's not? And what's fake news? And here's the deal, friends. Basing your life on something that is not true could be disastrous for you. Basing the decisions that you make about life on things that are not true can be disastrous if you're making major life decisions. But so far, best I can tell, everyone that's here this morning has survived it. I hope you continue to survive it through the rest of this service. I'll speed up just a little. Uh, but here's the deal. The truth of the matter is that over half a million people in the United States did not survive it. But yet some still claim fake news. Here's the deal. To many people back in Jesus' day, the empty tomb, fake news. They didn't believe it. You see, they listened to the people that they had confidence in. They listened to their government. They listened to people that they respected. And many just blew it off as no big deal. Bunch of overreacting crazy people that we all suspected they were crazy anyway. Fake news. Here's what's sad. A lot of people today, 
I believe you Easter is just something a lot of people observe as wishful thinking. Others assume that the accounts of the resurrection were maybe just made up rumors made by some overly excited disciples that just didn't want the story of Jesus to come to an end. But there's a phrase that is repeated over and over and over again in the Gospels that challenges that way of thinking. And the phrase is this, come and see. Come and see. This is a phrase that we see repeated throughout the life of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Jesus encounters this fellow by the name of Philip. And he begins to tell Philip some things about his life that nobody knew. Only Philip knew. And Jesus did this in order to convince Philip that he was the Messiah. And when Jesus shared with him these things that he knew that nobody else knew, he got excited. This must be the Messiah. And so he runs home and he tells his brother that he's met the Messiah. And his brother goes, oh my gosh, you've been watching CNN again, hadn't you? And his brother just blows him off. Philip responds to his brother in John chapter 1, verse 46. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Come and see. In John chapter 4, Jesus encounters this woman at the well. And uh, he does the same thing with her that he does with Philip. He shares with some some things uh, and some secrets about her life that she thought that nobody knew. And yet Jesus knew this and he showed compassion for her. He showed that he cared for her, even though he knew these things about her. And so she comes away from this incredible experience with Jesus and she goes running into town saying, I have met the Messiah. I have met the one that the prophets came and foretold about. And all the people in town were like, Seriously? Why would we listen to you? We know your past. We know your lies. We know you're a tramp. Why would we pay attention to anything that you have to say? And her response in John chapter 4 and verse 29, Come and see. But the most important of these events we find here in our passage this morning are in Matthew chapter 28. So let's just read the story together this morning starting at verse 1 here of Matthew's gospel. Chapter 28 verse 1 says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. 
The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Come and see. Come and see if this is made up. Girls, come on in here and see if this is just wishful thinking. Come in here and see for yourself. And you know what those women did? They went and they saw an empty tomb. And when they had seen that the tomb was empty, they ran to tell the other disciples. They ran to find the other disciples and to tell them uh, what was going on. Who, oh, by the way, these disciples, these faithful followers of Jesus were hiding. They were hiding out in a room in fear that they might be next. They might be the next ones to be tracked down and crucified and killed. And the women barge in among these fearful men having a pity party and they give their report to what they have seen and what they have witnessed to the disciples And these disciples, these hand-picked followers of Jesus Christ, didn't believe them. Fake news. Ain't buying that. Crazy story. Who would ever believe that? All those women, they never get the story right. (laughs) They got it right this time. Let's keep reading. The women respond, come and and see. And we see in Luke's gospel that Peter Peter did. Peter ran to see. Skip down to verse 11. While the women were on their way to tell the disciples about the empty tomb, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them, you are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. There it is. Fake news. And then they told him, If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So there it is. The first fake news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the disciples had stolen his body and made up the whole story. Friends, I will tell you that if you search for the truth on your own, And you don't just take somebody else's word that something is not true or is true. But you investigate it yourself. This story that the disciples stole his body and made up all the rest. Friends, it makes no sense. First off, how could a group of untrained fishermen and carpenters successfully sneak past 12 highly trained Roman soldiers and pull that off? (laughs) Right? 
Folks, I, I know we lack a lot of this in our world today, but man, I would just encourage you on this Easter Sunday to make a New Year's resolution. Use common sense. That'd be a good place to start. Amen? Huh? How could a group of untrained fishermen slip past 12 Roman guards, move a two-ton stone, steal a body, make up this whole story? We got more people in here than we've had total in the past year right now. <laughs> people are still gathering together to celebrate this crazy story. And besides that, what motive would the disciples had to do that? What would have motivated them to want to steal the body? I mean, what would you do with it and what would that prove? Doing that wouldn't have made them famous, you know, or give them some sort of power. It wouldn't have given them some sort of political power to be able to negotiate with, you know, or book sales that would have made them all rich. As a matter of fact, every one of the apostles were eventually hunted down. Majority were arrested, tortured, imprisoned, and most of them were executed. And if you're new to us here today, you've probably been here long enough to figure out that I'm not real educated. Probably you already used some bad grammar that will get corrected during lunch today. But a story like that makes absolutely no sense to me whether you're educated or not, right? Because here's the deal. One, one of them would have cracked before they got killed over the story, right? One of them would have said eventually, I know I would have. I wouldn't have lied. I wouldn't have continued to tell a lie and get killed for it. I would have said, no, 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 no. No, no, I'll be the one. That's all a lie. It's not true. Uh, listen, what transformed Thomas, who is commonly known in the church world today as what? Doubting Thomas. What transformed a man like Thomas to go from being a doubter into someone who was tied to the back of a chariot and drugged through the middle of town because of his faith in Christ and being a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, what could transform someone to the point that they would go from doubting everything to being so convinced about it that they would be drugged by a chariot through the streets because they still proclaim that it is true. What, what would do that? And an empty tomb? Huh? An empty tomb could do that. An empty tomb did do that. That's what changed him from being a doubter to being courageous. It was an empty tomb. What about Peter? Out of fear for his life, and he gets a bum rap. We talk about him all the time. You know, he, he was afraid, and he denied three, uh, Jesus three different times. There's one of those times, though, that sticks out to me. Peter is this rough, rugged, bad dude, right? Or at least he thinks he is. One of the people that he denies that he's a follower of Jesus to, read it for yourself, is a little girl. 
Huh? One of these three denials is to a little girl. No, I don't know him. I'm not one of his followers. So what was it that transformed Peter from being afraid of the accusations of a little girl to becoming the boldest leader in the history of the church today? One who, oh, by the way, Peter was willingly crucified on a cross for the cause of Christ. What would transform a man from, going, from being afraid of a little girl to going to a cross and being crucified? An empty tomb. An empty tomb. Friends, come and see because an empty tomb will transform your life forever. Come and see. The evidence is clear. Here's the deal. The evidence is clear for all who want to see it. The evidence is clear for all those who want to see it. This actually happened. People can go back and prove through scientific and archaeological data. This is true. Not only that, it was backed up by all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Dozens of places uh, prophesied that the Messiah would come, the Messiah would suffer, the Messiah would die, and the Messiah would be raised again. Come and see for yourself. But this raises a really interesting question to me. Why didn't everyone come and see? Why didn't everyone come and see? I mean, the invitation was public. The empty tomb was there for all that who would want to go see it and investigate it. But so many people that heard about the resurrection just treated it with indifference. And they never took the time to investigate it. Pilate just flat out said, when he heard about it, he said, the question is not that concerning to me right now. That was a lot of people. Obviously, Pilate wasn't a religious person, and besides that, his position, he was a very busy man. He had a government to run. He had taxes to collect. He had to try to keep his boss happy. It's not that Pilate went and checked out the evidence and found out that it's not true. He just wasn't motivated enough to go investigate it. Just kind of took a casual approach to the whole story. And friends, here's the deal. Here's how that relates to you and me today. Sadly, this is what many people in our world are doing today. They have sadly approached the story and the message of an empty tomb. They've approached it casually and with indifference. Because honestly, you don't find many people who start digging into the story. I've read time and time again about uh, either scientists or, or uh, 
I think of Lee Strobel, he was a newspaper editor and an atheist and people who say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig and I'm going to find and I am going to prove these people are crazy, right? I'm going to prove that, that there's no way this story can be true. And they begin to dig and they begin to, you know, find the data and they begin to look at all of history and they prove to themselves without a doubt when it's all said and done that there's no way it could not be true. And they become followers of Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. You, you don't find many people who start digging into the story and, and, and digging into the facts and come away from it and say, you know, it's not true. Here's the deal. It's just that not very many people are pursuing the truth. Not very many people really pursue the truth and what this truth means for them. Here's the deal. A lot of people think that it's just not really a big deal for them right now. It's not really a big deal for me right now because, you know what, I've got more pressing matters, important things. I've got ball games to play. Got money to make. I've got a boss to keep happy. I've got a family. I've got a supply for. So why do people come and see and some people not come and see? Why did some risk their lives to run to an empty tomb? Why did they risk their lives to run to the tomb to come and see for themselves that Jesus was not there and others didn't? And you think about the disciples here. Everything in their world had been turned upside down with the death of Jesus. I mean, this guy they'd been following for three years was dead. And you know what? If he's really dead, then that meant all of their hopes for the future were dead. They had wasted the last three years of their life following this guy. But if he is resurrected, <laughs> huh? If the tomb is empty, and he's not there, and he's resurrected, those disciples are going... That changes everything. That changes everything. It meant they have reason to live after all if the tomb is empty. Even more, you know what? He, he is who He said He was. We get it. We put the pieces together. The tomb is empty. And they realized He is the only one worth living for. Because of the empty tomb, He is the only one worth living for. If He resurrected, His death on the cross really was a payment for sin. Like He said it was. And it meant this. You know what? We no longer have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of what someone may do to us. All that truly matters is Him and what we do for Him. And you know what? When they realized that, when they saw the empty tomb, when they experienced the risen Jesus, earthly things were no longer their biggest concern in life. 
You hear that? Earthly things were no longer their greatest concern in life. What matters was this. Where they stood with that man. Where they stood in the light of that empty tomb. Where they stood in perspective to what Jesus had done for them. But, like I said, for a lot of people, this story about the resurrection is taken so casually. It's met with indifference. But after the year that we've all just been through, shouldn't everybody be viewing life a little bit differently right now? I don't care if you think it was fake news or not. Over half a million people died. That ain't fake. In light of what we just experienced and how we saw how quickly, don't miss, how quickly the world was shut down. How quickly people lost their life. Had nurses right here in our community tell me, right here in our church, say it'd be amazing. Somebody will come in, you think they're about to die, and they'll walk out of the hospital a few weeks later. You have somebody come in, young, they're fine, be dead for dark. We saw how quickly things can be shaken and our world can be turned upside down. We all should view life a little bit differently than we did before we went through this past year. We should. And if you don't, we, back to that common sense thing. Get you some, okay? Get you some. And if you don't know where to get it, my wife's got plenty to go around for all of you. I'll give you her cell phone number right now, and you can call her. Because I'm telling you, I hear a lot of the things that she thinks some of y'all need to know that's just common sense. So, I'm kidding. But seriously, how many families this year realize just how fragile life is? How many families over this past year realized just how fragile that life truly is? How, how near and close to death so many people came. And here's the deal, folks. If our only hope is in the medical system, if your only hope is in your health, if your, health, if your hope is in your job or what you have in the bank, Friends, your foundation is built on shaky ground. And we've learned that this past year, just how shaky it is and how unreliable it can be. And a time like this makes us realize just how dumb it is to think that 70 or 80 years on this earth is all that matters with no thoughts or no consideration about death and the judgment and what comes next. And maybe there are some of you here today and you reflect back over the first year and you know what? You realize how unstable that year was for your family. And you're like, 
I need steady ground. I need a stable place to stand. This morning, I would invite you this morning to come and see an empty tomb because it's there that you find your footing. It's there that you find the rock. It's there that you find a steady foundation. Let me ask you, over this past year, where has your hope been for the future? As you faced it, as you went through it, what were you hopeful in? What were you looking to to save you, to help you? Was it in doctors? Was it in government? Was it in a vaccine? Was it in your life savings? What has been your basis for hope as you've gone through a pandemic? Here's the deal. I heard uh, a lot of people say this, and I chuckled. I chuckled at lots of folks over this past year. I heard so many people say, the odds of coronavirus, the odds of me dying from coronavirus are so small, I'll take my chances. That's fair. I'm here, I'm here to tell you this morning, though, Corona may not have gotten you. Something will. A lot of people said, oh, I'll take my chances. Percentage of Corona killing me. It's way low. I'll take my chances. I'm going to tell you, playing the odds is not a firm place to stand. You hear me? Playing the odds is not a firm place to stand because there are some odds that you can't beat. A hundred percent of you here today are going to die. Corona may not have gotten you. It may not have gotten you yet. But some going to get you. you. You ought to be afraid to pull out on Highway 65. I'm telling you. Take your odds on that. I'll bet them. Here's what I know from preaching funeral after funeral after funeral. It is appointed to every single man and woman to die. 100% are appointed to die. And after this, the judgment. A lot of people's foundations have been shaken over this past year. And it's shaky because of where they have had their feet planted. What if God... What if God, out of His love for us, what if God, out of His great concern for all of humanity, allowed this past year to take place so that it might shake some of our foundations? So that we might realize just what we've had our feet planted on that we had so much confidence in and so much faith in is truly shaky ground. And it's not steady, letting us experience a temporary tragedy in order to wake us up to a far more serious tragedy to come, and that's an eternal one. The tragedy of dying and not being in a right relationship with God. Friends, sometimes the temporary 
affliction of our bodies can wake us up to the eternal needs of our souls. And I'm standing before you here today saying, look past over this past year. Hey, you pick out what you believe is fake and not fake, but there's a lot of truth there that shows you a lot of people have their feet planted on shaky ground. And they got it shook, and they felt it shake. And Jesus is saying today, come to the empty tomb. Come and see. This is the foundation that we must build our lives on today. Friends, this world is no place to build a life. Any foundation that you build here based on the things of the world will not last. It's only the tomb of Jesus where you will find the rock to build upon. It's only the tomb of Jesus where you will find hope. And I invite you today to come and see. Every foundation besides Jesus will fail. Every one of them will ultimately fail you. As I approached this Easter Sunday, there's just a lot of different events taking place that's just made it odd, made it weird. And as I've approached standing before you today and what I should share and what passage of Scripture, and I read and was reminded about an old pastor. He actually preached back in the 17th century, and he used to stand before his congregation each week and He would pray before he began to preach. And he would pray this. Lord, help me to preach like a dying man to dying men. That's what I want to do. Stories told that when the Titanic was sinking, that there was a pastor who was floating there among the others floating in the water he realized because of what was going on in the water temperature that help would not get there in time and that they all were going to perish and die of hypothermia one of the survivors noted though he said I saw this pastor frantically swimming around from person to person pleading with them to repent of their sins and accept Christ. Friends, that's what I'm doing here today. I'm a dying man speaking to dying men and women. Our world stands condemned, but Jesus offers salvation tomb is empty come and see and I just say to some of you that as I thought about the cross this week you know if Jesus didn't abandon us while he was going through what he went through on that cruel cross as he faced that excruciating death can I just tell you there's no circumstance in your life right now that will cause Him to abandon you now. If He didn't abandon us then, He's not going to abandon you now. There was never a more hopeless time than when He breathed His last breath there on the cross. And they took His body 
down from the cross and they placed it in a tomb. Never a more hopeless time for humanity than when they laid the dead Son of God in that grave. And at that point, it all seemed so hopeless. But today is a reminder. He is risen. The tomb is empty. And as sure as he walked out of that grave, he promises life to all of those who will come and see and accept the victory that was won there in that tomb. To those of you who are not believers yet, or maybe you've believed, but you've never really pressed into the empty tomb and understood the victory and the transformation that we talked about with uh, Thomas and with Peter, and you've never really experienced that in your life, and you know it, you will know if you have experienced that kind of transformation, just let me say. Maybe you're here today and you've never believed, or maybe you've believed, but you've just never been transformed. This Easter, I join the gospel writers in inviting you to come and see. Because here's the deal. Every single one of us has two problems. Listen, I'm about to close. We all have two problems. One, life without God will not work. It's not fake news. Life without God won't work. Nothing can protect you. Second thing, we all stand condemned under His judgment. It's not fake news. It's the truth. We all stand condemned under His judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die and then face the judgment. Here's the awesome thing. God knew you were going to be here today. He knew that you were going to be watching online today because He's seeking you. He's seeking you. And today, His invitation to you is nothing more than this. Come and see. Come and see. Don't beat yourself up about why you haven't yet. He's just saying today, come and see. Come and see. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to experience that transformation that comes from the empty grave and you've never leaned into it. You've never investigated it. And today He invites you to come and see. To come and experience that. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. and We're going to close with a word of prayer and then a celebration of baptism. But before we do, I just, I just want to talk to those of you here today that uh, maybe have approached this casually for way too long. I, I just believe without a doubt today that you've come face to face with the door of an empty tomb. You've been invited to come and see. And you know that you have casually approached this story and this Savior with your whole life.
Today, I would invite you to give it a try. Over the past year, what did you have to trust? What did you have to place your hope in? It was all pretty shaky. Jesus wants me to tell you that the entrance to that tomb, it's not shaky at all. Solid. Solid rock in which I stand. So He's inviting you today. And you can do that right there where you sit. We're not gonna, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything spectacular today. Because here's what I know. People who encounter this story and the power of Jesus, they approach it with an amount of fear. Like Peter. Like Thomas. And so I know... Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're nervous. And so it's okay for you to just sit there this morning and consider an empty tomb. But this morning, I would invite you to join me in a prayer. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, or maybe you've never really leaned in to what the empty tomb means for you, I'd invite you to pray this prayer today. And Ask Him to come into your heart and receive Him today as your Savior. And it's as simple as this. And if you want to do that today, if you've never done that, or you want to truly make that commitment today, just repeat after me as we pray. Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. I need to be saved from my sins and Today, I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you went to the cross for my sins. And I believe that you've been resurrected. And you now sit at the right hand of the Father. Forgive me and save me today. Thank you for giving your life for me. I now give my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And if you just prayed that prayer, I encourage you to let someone know. Can I just tell you something really cool about the rest of chapter 28? We see the invitation to come and see. For those of you that are here today that are faithful followers of Christ, you've experienced that transformation. You've experienced that salvation. I want you to go home today and keep on reading down through chapter 28 because when you get to the end, here's the command. We see it several times throughout the Gospels again. We're invited to come and see, and then once we have seen, we're commanded to go and tell. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, I encourage you, go and tell. Tell someone what you've done. Tell someone about the commitment that you've made.
find one of us that's been here on the platform today. Come see me. I would love to talk with you. Any of us would love to talk with you about the, what the next steps are and what it looks like in accepting Christ and walking with Him. We'd be glad to talk with you and help you. But for the rest of you that have already done that, your commission today is to go out from here and go and tell others about our risen Savior and an empty tomb and invite them, hello, invite them to come and see. Amen? Let me pray with you, and then we're going to uh, close with the time of baptism this morning. Dear God, I thank you so much again for the love that you've shown us, for the salvation that is available to us through the cross today. But again, today is about a celebration of the empty tomb. I thank you today for what you're doing in this place. I trust your spirit to do what you intended to do when we began here today. I pray for those that prayed that prayer. I pray that you would give them a boldness now, like with Thomas, like with Peter. They would sense this transforming power, this boldness that is boiling and welling up within their soul to go and tell. Go tell someone what Christ has done in their heart and their life. That they have embraced an empty tomb. God, give us all that boldness to go out from this place and, and, and be proclaimers of this good news carrying this invitation into all the world. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I know it's a crazy story and it's hard to believe. But you come and see. You come and see what my Savior has done. And what my Lord has done. God, I thank you today for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and lives of those that are here. For those that are watching. But God, I also want to thank you and celebrate what you're going to do as we leave this place as the church, walking in that power, walking in that transformation, God. We want to be available. We want to be used for you and your glory. May people see a resurrected Savior in the lives that we live as we leave this place today. God, I love you. I thank you so much for the love that you have shown me. And now we gather uh, to uh, share in another great celebration today as Kendall comes to be baptized and make a public profession of her faith in you. We thank you for that. We thank you for their family. We love them so much. And I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray.